You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Good morning, Calvary. How's everybody doing today? Yes, I am not Pastor Bob. I am Pastor Alex, the Connections Pastor. Um, happy to be with you guys today. I was with you guys just a couple weeks ago. It was the 31st, New Year's Eve, so I get to tell all of you that I haven't seen you since last year. I think I got like three more laughs than first service, so I appreciate you guys letting me uh, lay out the little uh, dad joke. But listen, a little over uh, six years ago, uh, my daughter Emily was turning 15, and as you as you may know, a, a young lady turning 15 is a big deal uh, in, in Hispanic and in Latin uh, culture. You know, instead of a, of a sweet 16, it's, it's a quinceañera. And, um, you know, a lot of girls turning 15 in our culture will have a huge party. Um, I remember growing up being part of, of, of many of those parties and being asked to, you know, dance in these choreographed dances that they that they do. It's, it's, it really is a, is a big deal. But my daughter Emily was not interested in a, a huge party at all. So uh, my wife and I, we still wanted to do something nice for her. So we suggested, how about a trip? Just the three of us. Um, and for her, that, that meant a lot because, she, you know, she's, she's the oldest of four. And after her, it's three little brothers. So to be able to go on a trip with just mom and dad without her little brothers, that she was definitely interested in. So we planned the trip to San Francisco. And listen, the trip was absolutely amazing. I mean, on, on, just on the first day. On the very first day we were there, we, we visited Alcatraz. Uh, we had, you know, clam chowder in, in, in a sourdough bread bowl. Um, we actually rented bicycles and, um, you know, drove, to, you know uh, rode the bikes through San Francisco over the Golden Gate Bridge into Sausalito, which is like a little uh, city uh, right next to San Francisco, which is absolutely gorgeous. And um, But, you know, it's... It's, it's, it's a little far, so we weren't going to ride our bikes back. We were going to take a ferry back into San Francisco and then, you know, drop off our, our bikes. So that's what we did. Once the sun started to come down, we, we took the last ferry from Sausalito back to San Francisco. And by the time we make it to the ferry building, um, you know, sun had gone down. It was raining. Um, not a lot, but it was, you know, a, a constant drizzle. And, and we had about a three-mile bike ride ahead of us to go to the, uh, the bike rental a shop. So, you know, we, we gather our things, we jump on our bikes, get on the bike lane, and we start heading out. And we weren't but just a couple blocks into our ride when the night began to unravel um, for, uh, for us. The first thing that happened, um, my daughter's bike basically came to a dead stop. And she's like, Pop, like, it, it won't pedal. And when I take a look, you know, on the back of the bike, there's a rack and there's a bungee cord in case you want to store something. Well, that bungee cord had come loose and it got caught in the gears of her bike. So, you know, you know, pull the bikes onto the sidewalk. It's raining, you know, and I'm the, I, I, it's at least 15 minutes before I get that bungee cord out uh, of that gear. So now I'm wet. I'm covered in, like, bike grease all over my hands. Um, so, you know, we finally get going. We jump back on, on our bikes, finish the ride, okay? Finish the ride. We get to the rental shop, and the first thing, you know, I do is, you know, I get off my bike and, and, and I reach for the backpack. Only the backpack wasn't on me. Um, you see, when we started our ride, um, way back at the beginning of the day, I had a backpack. 
And inside that backpack was, you know, we had our phones, our keys, a camera, um, some stuff we bought. And um, I guess when we stopped to fix Emily's bike, I set it down. But in all the madness of fixing Emily's bike and, you know, being in such a great mood, I, you know, I just jumped off my bike, started riding away, and left the backpack. So, needless to say, I just jumped on my bike, told my wife and daughter just to wait for me there, and started heading back to where it all started as fast as I could. As I could. And, and the, the entire time, just kind of like replaying like all the events of the night up to that point in my head, you know, I was just like, man, this is unbelievable. Like, who, who can I blame, right? Who can I blame? Because it sure wasn't me. It wasn't my bungee cord that got stuck in the gears of my bike. And um, as I, there's no other way to say it. I mean, I was completely reckless. I mean, now I was, I was by myself, and I was just like zipping through traffic, all, you know, through the, through the streets of San Francisco. Um, but it turns out the night wasn't over for me. The night had another surprise for me. And I don't know if you know this or not, but San Francisco is famous for its, um, you know, cable cars and electric trolleys. And um, the way those travel on the street, they've got these, like, rails that are dug in into the street. And interesting fact, those rails are wide enough and deep enough to catch the front tire of your bike and send you headfirst over the handlebars. And uh, that's exactly what happened. And there I was completely spread eagle, face down, soaking wet on a street in San Francisco. And my first thought was I broke my knee. I don't know if you can break your knee. I think there's probably another, uh, another term for it, but that's what it felt like. That's the first thing that hit the ground. My second thought was the bike is done for. I definitely broke the, you know, the bike is done for. My third thought was, God, I hope no one saw this because it was an ugly scene. So, you know, I... I kind of, you know, I get up and, you know, at first I check my knee and it hurts, but it's not broken. It works. Um, I check out the bike. I roll it. The wheel, everything's intact. I'm like, all right. I just jump on my bike. I got about another mile and a half to go and, you know, finish the ride. And, you know, all, all, I, all I could remember as I'm finishing that ride after everything that happened was like, God, please, after everything that has happened tonight, please just let the backpack be there. Right? All this is for that backpack. And listen. There were tons of people walking around, you know, that, that part of town, not to mention, you know, there's a large homeless population in that part of the city. And all I can imagine is like a couple of days from now, seeing my backpack on someone else, just like walking through, you know, San Francisco. And, and as I got closer uh, to the spot, no, well, let me ask you, who thinks I found the backpack? Okay, positive crowd. Who thinks there's no way you found that backpack? <laughs> all right, all right. Well, it was there. The backpack was there, yes. Um, so you know, now the next thing is, you know, is there anything inside of it? So I go to the backpack, I open it, and everything is there. Keys, phone, like, you know, cameras, everything we bought. The backpack was untouched. And I was just like, man, thank you, Jesus. Put the backpack on, get on my bike, and start that trip for a third time. Um, but listen, I tell you, you know, there were a lot of moments there that I wish... I could go back and change, you know, obviously forgetting the backpack, um, you know, letting my anger and pride get the best of me, 
having to deal with um, my daughter's bike and, and being reckless and almost killing myself on the street is definitely something I, I would have loved to have, have taken back. And I think we've all been there. I mean, maybe not spread eagle on a street in San Francisco, but in a situation that we wish we can go back and change, right? A, a do-over. We've all had situations we wish that we could do over. We've all had situations that we wish, you know, man, I wish I could have done that differently. I wish I could have said that differently. Or maybe it was something that you didn't do or didn't say, and we wish we had those opportunities back. We all have them. We all live with them. And we all wish we could have those moments to do over. And there's a word for that. There's a word that defines those moments. That word is regret. See, regret is that feeling of sadness, that feeling, that disappointment over something that has happened, something that's been done. It's those moments of regret that play a huge role in shaping who we are today. And for better or worse, who we are today is a result of the decisions and circumstances of the past. You know, our decision to act or not to act, our decision to speak or to stay quiet, to stop or keep going, to stay or to walk out. Um, it's, it's those if-only moments that we carry with us, right? I mean, if, I, if, if only I hadn't turned into that drive through at Taco Bell at 2 a.m., right? That's one I'm sure some of us wish we could have back. Uh, when I was a kid, um, here's something that I wish, I think, you know, in talking to my dad, I'm pretty sure it's something he wished he could take back. When I was a kid, when I, was a kid I remember my dad getting a perm. Um, now, listen, it was... It was the mid-80s. I mean, I, I don't know what was going on. But my dad, you know, straight hair, he, 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 he got a perm. Um, I'm sure that's something he'd wish to take back. Um, if, you know, if only, if only the Dolphins wouldn't have blown that game against the Titans, we wouldn't be playing a playoff game in sub-zero temperatures. For those of you that care, thank you for being there with me. For those of you that don't, I apologize but it hurts. Um, but maybe it's if only I had, you know, taken that other job or if, man, if, if only I hadn't accepted that friend request from my high school crush. If only I had called an Uber instead of maybe driving home for that party or if only I had just said I'm sorry. Um, the reality is there's tons of other stuff. We all feel it. Listen, we can, we can spend the next few hours uh, going, going over our if only moments because we all have regrets Regret happens. It's, it's inevitable. From the moment that we entered the picture, from the moment that Adam and Eve disobeyed God, uh, you know, ate the fruit they weren't supposed to, and hid in shame, sin entered the picture, and regret along with it. So how do we deal with our regrets, right? I mean, are, are we just at the mercy of, you know, the consequences of our regrets, or is there a better way? Can we live a life where we get past our regrets and move beyond them? See, regrets are settled in the past but they are connected to our future. And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, the person we're going to look at today had a moment of regret that we're still talking about over 2,000 years later. We're going to look at a few key moments in the life of Peter. Peter was a fisherman who became one of Jesus' disciples. He was impulsive. He was strong-willed. He was emotional. And uh, so we're going to start at the beginning, the moment where he meets Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 41 to 42, here's what we read. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means 
Peter. So if you pause there and you give me your attention, the first thing we're going to learn from Peter is this, that regrets don't define you. Regrets don't define you. You see, nicknames are a funny thing, right? We get nicknames for all sorts of reasons. Some are flattering. Some are cool nicknames, right? Maybe you've got a cool nickname, you know, like, like Flash or Maverick, Iceman. Um, other nicknames, not so much. Uh, you know, your family gives them to you. I know my family, my grandfather was the one that was handing out nicknames to all the grandkids. Um, your friends give them to you. Sometimes we get a nickname because of what we look like. Sometimes we get nicknames because of something that happened to us or something we did. And again, kind of you know, going back to our Hispanic and Latin culture, um, a lot of nicknames are simply observations about your appearance or your deepest insecurities. Um, you know, and it's not always, it's not always, always flattering. Um, you know, if you're a little, uh, if you're a little heavier, they call you, oh, you mean I go do, and that's that sticks with you. You know, if you know you lost a little bit up up, up top, oh, you got a little, right? Um, if you have an accident, if you got a little bit of a limp, mean I cojo. It's just like that's that's who that's that's who you are. But listen, I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty of it too. Like, you know, when I first met Pastor George, before he was Pastor George, and I was Pastor Alex, and we were just serving together on the worship team, I I just started calling him Flaco which means skinny, and that's, that's just a nickname that kind of stuck. And for the most part, nicknames are all in good fun, uh, but sometimes it's not a nickname that labels us, right? Moments in our life that we can't seem to shake, those define who we become and how we see ourselves, and we become the hothead or the flirt. We allow our past regrets to define our present and future, and we begin to believe the lie that tells us you are who you are, and there's nothing that you can do to change that. Right? What you did, what you said, that's just who you are. And for those of us who remember Popeye, right, what did he used to sing? I am what I am, and that's all that I am. And when we look at this first meeting between Jesus and Peter, the first thing Jesus does is change his name. And it says, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. So if you can imagine this moment, right, Jesus says, looking intently at him, almost as if he was taking a moment to kind of look into uh, his future. The name Simon has a meaning, right? The name Simon means shifting sand. And Jesus was essentially saying, listen, the world might see Simon now, but I see a future and I see a potential calling on your life, one that you don't even realize yet. See, Jesus said, you will be called Peter. And while Simon means shifting sand, Peter Peter means something completely different. Peter means rock. And you see, it didn't matter what Peter had done up to that point. Jesus changed his name, not because of who Simon was, but because of who he knew he would become. In that moment, Jesus defined him. So now we ask ourselves, who is, who is defining you, right? Who or what are you allowing to define you? In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, do you, do you realize what this means? It's not our past, our mistakes, our failures that define us. Those things have passed away, but there is a qualifier, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you are in Christ, your regrets have been dealt with. They've been dealt with at the cross. And along with your sins, your regrets 
have been dealt with. You no longer have to be defined by who you were, what you've done. You are now, you are now defined by what Christ has done. Your regrets don't define you. Jesus defines you. So now Peter spends the next three years as a disciple of Jesus, and he's close to him. He's in his inner circle. Uh, and during this time, Peter has his share of regrettable moments, not really living up to his new name uh, just yet. And we're, we're going to fast forward to probably his most regrettable, right? This is the one that, that takes the cake. And if this is the one that, like, if you're here today and, you know, maybe you're not, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you don't read the Bible that much, um, or, or all this is new to you, this one still rings a bell. So let me paint the picture. Right, it's, it's the Last Supper. I think we got a picture of it here. Yes. All right. Who got taken back to their childhood dining room just now? Yes. This is, whenever we think of the Last Supper, this is like the image that comes up. But, you know, truth be told, I don't think this is what it actually looks like. I mean, can you imagine showing up with, uh, you know, 12 of your friends at Chili's? Yeah, how many? Oh, we're, we're 13, but if we can have a table for 26. Because we like to all sit on, on just one side of the table uh, next to each other. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it, it's the Last Supper, and, and, and only one person is aware of the last part, right? And that's Jesus. Um, it's, it's the night of his arrest, which leads to his crucifixion. And he knows, um, he knows this, but no one else there does. And as he shares with his disciples what is about to happen, he has this exchange with Peter. And we read it in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 31 to 34. And it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And I find this fascinating. I don't want you to miss this. First, how Jesus refers to both Simon and Peter almost as a reminder that there's still work to be done in Simon, but affirming his call as Peter and Next, how Jesus kind of lets him in on the spiritual battle that's happening behind the scenes. As he says, you know, Satan is asking for you to sift you like wheat, to have his way with you. But lastly, Jesus praying and affirming Peter's future calling. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, which is a statement about Peter's future, right, strengthen your brethren. And Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, you are going to have a bad moment. You are going to have a moment that you regret, perhaps your greatest regret. The moment where you're going to believe you are who you are and there's nothing that you can do about it. But when you return to me, Jesus doesn't say if. Jesus says when you return to me, do what you are called to do. Fulfill not just the potential that, that I see in you, but, that I have, but, but the call I have placed in you. And it goes just like Jesus said it would. Uh, Jesus is arrested. He's being taken away. And Peter is following kind of at a distance not to be noticed. And he eventually finds himself in, in, a, in a courtyard close to where they are keeping Jesus. And there's a fire in that courtyard. Um, and, and some of the ones that arrested Jesus uh, are there gathered. And Peter is among them. And uh, first it's a servant girl. He says, hey. He was with him. And a little later, you're one of them. 
And then finally, yeah, you were with them. You're a Galilean. And each time, Peter denies knowing Jesus or being associated with him. And as the last, I don't know, man, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not me. I don't know him. As those last words come out of Jesus, um, Peter's mouth, he hears the rooster crow. And Jesus can see Peter from where he's at. And Peter remembers what Jesus said earlier that night. And the story says that Peter went outside and wept bitterly. And the second thing that we learn from Peter's story is this, that repentance is the key to overcoming regret. Repentance is the key to overcoming regret. Look, for, for, for the most part, I am a pretty easygoing guy. Uh, my kids may tell you differently, uh, but trust me, I, I am, and it's for their own good. And nothing drives me crazier than having to repeat myself over and over again, um, day after day, to get, you know, my kids to, to do certain things. Certain things, you know, on a daily basis. You know, like backpacks on the floor next to the door, um, you know, clothes kind of just like inside out on the bathroom floor. Um, or this one, shoes on the stairs. Now, I just want to take a, a moment because I don't know if this happens at your house, if, if, if you have stairs. I didn't grow up in a house with stairs. So... This, this, this was a new phenomenon to me, but um, if, you, if you don't have stairs and you've never witnessed this, you're not going to believe what happens. But as shoes get taken off, right, they don't make it all the way up to the rooms upstairs. Instead, they get placed. They only make it kind of halfway up, like on, on your steps. And on each step is a pair of shoes, almost like saying, it's like, man, this is as far as I can go. Um, you're going to have to take me the rest of the way. And if you can imagine, um, you know, six of us in this house, um, there's only so many stairs, but lined with shoes. And this is an ongoing struggle. Um, and whenever I say something, whenever I bring it up, it's like, hey, can, we, can, can the shoes make it all the way to the room? You know, can, can the clothes be picked up? What's the answer I get? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. And that drives me bananas. Because if you knew, you know where I'm going with this, right? Like if you knew then the backpack would be where it's supposed to be. If you knew that the clothes would be picked up and, and put in the hamper, if you knew, then the shoes would make it all the way up the stairs and into your room. So saying I know and I know, there's an acknowledging there, but that's not, you know, that's not true repentance. Repentance means more than just acknowledging, right? Acknowledging the mistake, the regret is part of it, but there's more. And, you know, if, if, if you guys were, were, were here a couple weeks ago, uh, the last time I was, I, was, I was with you, you know, we, we talked a lot about repentance. Um, you know, and if, so if you were here, we learned that repentance is thinking and moving differently than we have before. Repentance is a turning from sin, not just in thought that, you know, I know I did something wrong, but in action, now I'm going to do something about it. Uh, there's a necessary a change of action. So for Peter, when Jesus is telling him, here's what's about to go down, and Peter's like, no way, I'm going to deny you. No, nope. I'll go to prison. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus knows this is Peter's, I know, I know, moment, right? And in 2 Corinthians 7, uh, verse 10, we read, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. And listen, I, I joke about my kids, but the truth is um, that my life is full of I know, I know moments. And yours is too. 
Let's not kid ourselves. The challenge for us is moving beyond the acknowledging, beyond the recognizing, beyond the I know, I know, and moving into the change of action, completing that full circle of repentance. And look, this is the hard part. It's where you have to confront the ugliness in our lives that we're trying to escape and forget. But repentance is the only way that we can take that first step because repentance is where we find God, right? The only one that not only forgives but forgets because it's through repentance that God is giving us the freedom to move forward so we can realize the potential he's put in all of us. So we're going to fast forward a little bit, and now this is after the resurrection of Christ. And we're back in Galilee where it all started for Peter, and guess what he's doing? He's fishing. It's what he did before. You know, Jesus was crucified. He feels like an absolute failure. He's feeling sorry for himself, regretting that faithful night, you know, knowing, not forgiving himself for denying Jesus. So he just goes back to his life from before. And the story goes that he's fishing with a few others, and they fish the entire night, and they don't catch a thing. Morning comes, and Jesus is now standing on the shore, only they don't realize it's him yet. And, and Jesus calls out, and he asks, hey, you guys got any fish? They don't. So he tells them to cast their nets, and they do. And they catch so many fish that they can hardly haul them into the boat. And finally it hits them. That's Jesus. That is the resurrected Christ. And Peter, uh, Peter literally jumps out of the boat to swim to shore. And Jesus greets them with a fire and a breakfast. And in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, we read this interaction between Jesus and Peter. It says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. Then he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The last thing we learned from Peter's story is this, that there is no regret that God can't redeem. There is no regret that God can't redeem. See, Peter denied Jesus three times. And it may be, it may not be, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? See, Jesus wasn't there to rehash the past. Jesus wasn't interested in I told you so. And Jesus wasn't there to remind Peter of his mistakes of the past, but to ensure he fulfilled his call for the future. So now for us, what do we do now? What do we do with our Peter moments? The ones that haunt us and chase us and say, you see, what everyone says about you is true. What do you do with your Regret. Listen, the first thing you do is this. Own it without letting it own you. Own it without letting it own you. You don't look for who to blame, right? They made me do it. You know, it was her bungee cord, not mine. My bike was working fine. The regrets we carry become our excuses for the present. You failed. It doesn't mean that you were a failure. You own it. You learn from it. You own the lesson, not the failure. Second thing we can do is understand that change is necessary. Change is necessary. You know, growing up, 
um, there's a saying in Spanish that I will always hear uh, from my parents and the, and the adults of my life. And, you know, some, they would say, I got aprender a los golpes, which literally means that you've got you, you've to learn by taking the hits. And the spirit of that is to learn from your mistakes. The change is necessary the way we think, the way we speak, the way we act. And as we confess and repent, we invite that change, and God begins removing all those things that we feel regret over. And the third, third thing we can do with our regret is accept God's forgiveness. Accept God's forgiveness. See, maybe you're living your life kind of replaying all of your if-only moments, trying to make up for all your regrets, and you think, man, you know, Pastor Alex, there is no forgiveness for what I've done. And you have a difficult time accepting God's forgiveness because you can't begin to forgive yourself. So now you're living in this perpetual state of, of condemnation, believing the life you're living is punishment for the past. There's no hope for my relationships. Now there's no hope for my kids. There's no hope for my career. There's no hope for my marriage. No, no hope for happiness, contentment, or peace. Listen, in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 1, we read this. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's no condemnation. See, your sins are paid for. Your regrets dealt with on the cross. And accepting God's forgiveness is the only way that you're going to be freed from your past regrets. Because see, God, God loves you. He loves me. God loves us as we are, where we are, how we are, regrets and all. But he also loves us too much to let us stay that way. Church, let's pray together. And Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are not limited by what we think about ourselves and um, our abilities or anything like that, Lord. And for those of us that have chosen to enter into a relationship with you and make us make you Lord, Lord and, and Savior of our lives, um, there is no condemnation for us, Lord God. You're not looking to condemn us, Lord. So I pray, Lord, for everyone in this room that may be thinking about their past and things that they've done, things that they've, that they've said, you know, way back when or maybe even this morning. And we're wondering, how do we get past this? How do I get past this and, 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 and move forward with it, Lord? Lord, help us trust you enough, believe you and your word enough to surrender that to you. Lord, that, that, that everything that brings regret in our lives, Lord God, we would just realize that that's not what you see when you look at us, Lord. You see everything that you've called us to be. So help us. Help us, Lord God, to take that step towards you, Lord, and, and realize that call, not for our glory, but yours. Lord, that we may be able to be used by you to bring others to your saving grace and saving love, Lord. So we pray, Lord, for boldness. We pray, Lord, for courage. We pray, Lord, that as we leave here today, Lord, we can finally just come to you in complete confession and repentance, Lord, and allow you to make that change in our lives, Lord God. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord, that we may experience everything that you've got planned for us. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we say, and everyone says, amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.